Welcome into another edition of Final Whistle. As always, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer, and this is a nice Friday edition. Today, I've got another guest host to here alongside. I have Dylan Schreiman from In the Front Row. Dylan, how are we doing today, my man? I'm doing well, Blaine. Thanks for having me. Of course, the pleasure is all mine for you to taking the time out of your Friday to come out and talk with me today. So here we are. We're going to talk, of course, everything that's going on in the sports world that can be potentially happening this weekend that has already happened since Tuesday when I released my last episode. And let's give it a go here as we're going to talk about the World Series, the whole Justin Turner situation, the breaking story from last night with Trevor Lawrence, the starting quarterback for Clemson, testing positive. And then, you know, my Friday edition of picks, Lock It In, where I give you my three picks for college football and my three NFL picks for this upcoming weekend. I know, Dylan, you've prepared some picks for this weekend as well, so I'd love to hear yes, your thoughts on that. So hopefully, hopefully we'll both do well here this weekend and get, may help you guys make some money, all right? But without further ado, let's touch upon the Dodgers this week have won the World Series. It's their first championship in over 30 years, finally breaking the schneid after losing these past two times they've been in the World Series in recent years. Mookie Betts, sensational. With coming uh, with a home run, a double, the game-changing double in the during the game, as well as being able to provide a complete spark when uh, manager Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays made a very controversial move, taking out his ace Blake Snell in the sixth inning. He had gone five and a third. He had finally allowed his second hit when he was yanked. It was about to be the third time the team was going through the lineup. In my opinion, Cash had lost had become too reliant on analytics at that point. That's how they their team had gotten there. But he just did not see the game at that moment. And you could tell the team was completely deflated. And you saw it on Mookie Betts' face after he hit that double. He couldn't even control <laughs> containing a smile and how happy he was that Blake Snell was out of the game. And Blake Snell was nothing short of dominant. It's unfortunate the race. And I have to own up now. All you Dodger faithful <laughs> – I'm sorry, I got it wrong. I stuck with my raise again on Tuesday. I blew that one. So, again, I apologize. Dodgers, congratulations. City yeah. of L.A., congratulations. But, Dylan, I just want to get your insight here. Yeah. The City of L.A. has been taking the whole celebration with winning the World Series and then also what your impressions are of how this World Series unfolded. Yeah, so it's been crazy in L.A. since the Dodgers have won considering the Lakers won about three weeks ago it's been insane it's been it's basically been a championship parade without the team is what I would describe it as and I going back to game six I thought the decision was inexcusable I thought you had a pitcher rolling in Blake Snell and you had I understand your bullpen is the best or if not one of the best bullpens in baseball but you got to trust your starting pitcher to at least get you through the seventh inning if he's rolling there in game six remember in game five when Dodger fans gave um, Dave Roberts, uh, blanking out the manager there for a second, Dave Roberts trouble for pulling, yeah, for pulling yeah. Clint Kershaw early in game five that almost cost the Dodgers game five. They ended up hanging on and winning the final two games of the series. But it was this kind of the same vibe that people were like, why are you pulling Clint Kershaw if he's rolling here in game five? And then you move to game six and Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snow way too early. And I think – you got to trust your starting pitcher. He was he didn't give up a run to that point and all of a sudden you're go from leading one nothing to down 2 to 1 and now all of a sudden you're playing from behind late in the game. It was a questionable decision and honestly, who knows what happens if you go to game 7 in a World Series play. Yeah, definitely. And then on other notes, I feel like just in general, the whole major, all of major league baseball has just become reliant on analytics. Yeah. All of them are now their pitchers want to get a quality start now from a starting pitcher based on analytics is five, five and a third, five and two thirds. No, they don't want you going into that seventh inning, which is very intriguing from my standpoint, especially if you have someone dealing like a Kershaw or a Snell and the Rays, this, it, it was it, the analytics come up, came up and bit them. 
I know analytics is a still, it's still a flawed process, but many argue that it's a more consistent process of being able to judge your team correctly. But even then, you put in Anderson, he had given up a run in seven consecutive games. Where are you going with that? You know he hasn't been able to pitch well. He's struggling to find the zone. He's giving up consistent hits, and he's throwing the ball all over the plate and into the meat of the plate where the hitters are capitalizing on him every time. So it made no sense to me. And then I did like how the Dodgers were able to close it out. You go to Jose Arias and then he, or it's Juli, uh, Jose Arias. It's Ur, oh, yeah. Julio Arias. Excuse yeah. me. I apologize. Yeah. Julio Arias. And then Robert's there. He's stuck with him. He's been there. Probably there. Arguably their most consistent pitcher through this postseason and, he carried them throughout being dominant in those last three innings to get the save in their three to one victory. But I feel like the most important note that especially if it ever, if it did go to a game seven was that there potentially would not have probably been a game seven that next night with uh, the Justin Turner testing positive for COVID-19. Uh, his uh, first test was unable, to, was uh, unidentifiable. So he, they had to t- have him take a second test. He tested positive. He was yanked from the game in the seventh inning. The Dodgers went up, went on to go winning. He was isolating, from what I was told. And then afterwards, he was an hour after the game. He was out on the field celebrating. Uh, I had no issue with him going back out there. If you had a very if you had a social distance mandate, if he was with just to go out there, enjoy the experience, but if you're within 15 or 20 feet of anyone, like you are way, like you're beyond that six feet, knowing that you've already tested positive, but then he's out there, his teammates had him out there. He's taking his mask off um, during the team photo. He kisses his wife. I mean, I understand that he probably assumes his wife already his, him and his wife probably assume that he has it. She's got it. So that's understandable, but still, it was just a bad look for Major League Baseball. It showed that they really didn't really have a security protocol at the end of the World Series there. Bad look for MLB, especially when they were the one league that was struggling to yeah. handle the virus with the Marlins breakout, the Cardinals breakout uh, of cases uh, earlier on in the season. So a bad look. The Dodgers – and it was definitely the story that was – that is now more discussed than actually the Dodgers, unfortunately winning the world series, which is a great achievement. So uh, what's your, what's your take on the whole Justin Turner situation, Dylan? It's difficult because you want you stand between he's worked his whole career for this and he's become a main staple in the Dodgers, you know, world series appearances before and finally them getting over the hill. But I think major league baseball mishandled this. And I will tell you why I think when Justin Turner tested positive and was pulled out of the game, I think they should have sent him home. And I believe Jessica Mendoza made an appearance on ESPN's first take and said this, I think you shouldn't have left it up to the Dodgers organization or Justin Turner as an individual. I think as soon as he tested positive, you should have sent him back to the hotel. And then there would have been no discussion on if Turner had the decision to go back on the field. And it's put your, not only did he go back on the field and not follow social distancing, he also was right next to Dave Roberts, who is older and could be impacted by that. And also a cancer that. survivor, too. So yeah. He's one of the that, ones that's yeah. extremely at risk. Yeah. And didn't have a mask on and didn't follow social distancing protocol. We got to realize we're still in a pandemic. I understand you just won the World Series and you want to celebrate with your team. But if I were Major League Baseball out playing, I would have never – left it up to the Dodgers or Justin Turner's individual, I would have sent him home back to the hotel to ensure that everything was safe in their celebration. I completely agree with you there. Just take it out of his hands. I feel like that would have been the best situation, but I feel like you could have, I know MLB hasn't handled the pandemic well at whatsoever throughout this, this little 60 game sprint, uh, they called it, but uh, we were able to crown a champion, which is great. I think, the only other potential area you could have done is let him enjoy it, but he was not going to be around his teammates at all. He also ha- was holding the trophy and kissing the trophy on that point too. Yeah. So you're, he's still spreading the virus that way. I mean, it's just overall bad look. It's a very unfortunate situation. I yeah. mean, send him home would have been a uh, definitely a crucial area, but I feel like most importantly, like, 
it's all the, the pandemic is supposed to help those that are especially that uh, are high risk. And he, you have him in the team photo next to probably the person that is at the highest risk in that organization on that team. So it's an unfortunate you, situation. You have to keep in mind, I, when, I, when the MLB first started, I defended the MLB by saying it was very difficult to do a bubble because people are like, oh, why aren't you doing a bubble like the NBA decided to and the WNBA decided to. It was difficult because their roster sizes are a lot bigger for the team. So it's hard to quarantine people in one location. I know they're thinking of doing two to three locations, but I was like, they should follow a little bit stricter of a protocol before. And it's ironic that it ends with this whole Justin Turner thing overshadowing the Dodgers world series victory. I just think, I think they did what they could in the beginning to, I think could have been a little stricter. Yes. But then when it got to the playoffs, they decided to do a bubble. I think you should just finish off by, like you said, sending you. And you would have been fine and there would have been no controversy to speak of for Justin Turner and the Dodgers. Without a doubt. And I think going to the playoff bubble is definitely the best case scenario there just to try and limit everything to make sure everything went smoothly. And they were having no issues until, until the game clinching night of the World Series, which is a, a, a different circumstance. But all in all, it's great that we were able to crown a champion. City of LA is happy. <laughs> they are. Dylan knows. Dylan knows that the people are partying. I'm not just Sam, but I got the full experience here in LA. Excellent. Excellent. I home, but of course. <laughs> yeah, I got. I distance monitoring the situation. Yeah, it was. I can tell you, my co-hosts were very, very happy that the Dodgers won. That's excellent. All right, so. Uh, as we're on the notion of COVID, we had some breaking news break yesterday, especially in the college football world. You had number one, Clemson, and the overall perennial number one overall pick for this upcoming draft, Trevor Lawrence, announced that he tested positive yesterday. Um, he was showing mild symptoms. Um, based on the ACC's regulations, he has to quarantine for 10 days. So yesterday would have been day one of his quarantine. Uh, but this could be moved up depending on when he was showing symptoms earlier. So this could be moved up a day to Tuesday. Why is this important for the ACC? The Big Ten, uh, they have a 21-day uh, situation where players can't get back onto the field. So especially with the t Wisconsin outbreak that happened, the cancellation of the Nebraska game leading on to these different things. But it's crucial here because Clemson plays Boston College this week. But the real big game is next week. <laughs> When they're going to at Notre Dame, my Fighting Irish. I will say yeah. my Fighting Irish. They are my team, <laughs> my team. Uh, but number one, it will be traveling to number four in South Bend next Saturday. So right now that is eight days. So it's all dependent whether or not he'll be able to gain clearance uh, on Get Up this morning. Uh, Mike Greenberg had a had a doc, uh, perennial doctor on, and they said it's potentially possible to have him on but highly unlikely because of all of the physical ailments that he'll already be going through but I think he's gonna if he has the potential to play they're gonna end up playing them because this is their big that is their Super Bowl for basically their regular season or their college football playoff game that's your playing game between the two teams unless they face off again in the ACC championship um, so you're, uh, Dylan, what's your perspective on the whole Trevor Lawrence situation then going on to whether or not do you think he will play next Saturday against Notre Dame? I think I've heard he's going to be doubtful to play, which is not good for Clemson. I think, I mean, I think I know people are overhyping it and the media tends to be like, oh my gosh, they have a big game against Notre Dame. I think even if Clemson, say Lawrence doesn't play and Clemson loses to Notre Dame in a couple of weeks, I still think they'll remain in the top four. So I still think they'll be a factor for the college football playoff regardless at the end of the season. But I've, it's going to be big because you, there's a difference between taking first team reps and second team reps if you're the backup coming in. And I think it's going to really impact Clemson playing Notre Dame. I, like as you said before, we were talking before, I think Boston College will be fine this week. I think they'll beat Boston College. Um, obviously, he's not going to play in that game. But I think they really, really – want him back but it, it will be a huge impact if your starting quarterback who's only lost one game ever in his college football wow. career in the national title game to LSU is not on the field it's going to be a big big impact for Clemson if they have to play another game 
Especially, especially it's a road game too. It's not a neutral site. You're not at home. You don't have that extra potential, the limited crowd in attendance. Um, but still, even having that fan base there would would immensely help. I think for me, I think I think Davos Sweeney uh, will he won't play. And I think the college football playoff chairman already said. Uh, this past week that um, they do take in, they're taking into account this whole COVID situation, especially with Lawrence testing positive, he is Clemson. So he, he, he is that he is Clemson basically in getting them into the playoff. I do think they, again, Dylan, I agree with you there. He will, they will handle Boston college. I think that will be a very tough test though. Boston college is a very much improved team this year. Um, very competitive. Um, but I do think he won't play. Uh, it's so uh, at that point it's on Notre Dame. It's in Notre Dame's hands. You have to, you have to showcase that you can probably win. You probably have to win convincingly now. If it, yeah, if you're playing Clemson with Trevor Lawrence squeak by, and that's a yeah. great win without yeah. Trevor Lawrence, you're at home at Notre Dame stadium under the lights. You have to show up and show out because if you're if you're squeaking by to beat the second string quarterback of Clemson, who's a true freshman, it's a, it's a, it's a definitely an, a sign of what's to potentially come into the ACC championship when Lawrence will be able to play. And I assume once Lawrence comes back, they'll run the table easily. There's uh, again, the ACC schedule is relatively I do, very, I think, not as difficult. I think for Trevor Lawrence as an individual as well, it would be huge if he could get back against Notre Dame, because if you look, at his career record, I understand earlier I said that he only has lost once. But even if you look at the Ohio State game and the LSU game in the college football playoff, he wasn't necessarily spectacular in either game. So I think for his draft stock and him as an individual, if he could come back against Notre Dame and be able to put big numbers on the board, people would stop kind of doubting him against, like you said, the ACC competition that hasn't been up to par as other competitions. And you're going against – and it's a Notre Dame defense. It's only allowing roughly 10 points a game at the moment. So definitely been dominant on the defensive side of the ball. It'll definitely That game will definitely come into Ian Book's hands. We'll talk about that more next week. Um, but just uh, the, that's the huge question now with whether Trevor Lawrence will be able to play and be able to play against Notre Dame. So, And if not, it's an intelligent sign of what Notre Dame will have to do and prove especially to the college football playoff committee, especially in uh, playing in their own, probably their only year in the ACC. So as we're transitioning through college football, we're going to transition to, you know, my segment that I do every Friday. I got Dylan here. He's going to give us some picks too. It's called lock it in. So to all you betting fans out there, I'm going to hopefully make you some money. I went four and two last week, two and one in college football, two and one in the NFL. So four and two, that means we're making money. and That's all we want, right? Trying to win some money. So here we go. We're going to start off with some college football. So how we're going to do this, I'm going to give a pick, and then Dylan's going to give him his pick for college football, and then we'll alternate and then discuss what we're looking at here, all right? So my first pick, I have number 16, Kansas State, plus four versus West Virginia. Yes, playing in Morgantown is very brutal, playing in the West Virginia Mountaineers, but you're playing – you have number 16, Kansas State, and uh, a road dog there, plus four. I know they have a huge game next week against Oklahoma State, so they may be looking ahead, which is very potent, uh, which could be happening, but I highly doubt that. They're in plus four? Plus four? This West Virginia team has not looked that good this year, and so I'm taking Kansas State, and you need to look out for this name. I'm telling you right now, Deuce Vaughn. He's the freshman running back at Kansas State. He is literally the next coming of Darren Sproles. I'm telling you right now. The okay. next coming of Darren Sproles. He knows how to catch. He returns kickoffs. He returns punts. He can do all that. His speed is elite. He's only 5'5", so he hides behind, just like that Darren Sproles scat back little area. So Deuce Vaughn, who you, he's going to have a huge day tomorrow. So look out for Deuce Vaughn. That's my first pick. First lock, Kansas State plus four. I would actually take them outright to win two if you're trying to take them on an uh, underdog bet. Take them outright, but I'm going to take them here as I'm doing point spreads, plus yeah. four, Kansas State. 
I actually was looking at that game, and I guess I'll say that game first. I had another game plan, but we'll we'll talk about it. I like West Virginia over Kansas State. And really? Yes, I do. I understand they are, like you said, a four-point favorite. Watch out for Jared Dickey, the quarterback for West Virginia. He started off the season a little rough, and that's why I think people kind of put West Virginia down in the dumps in a difficult Big 12. And, you know, it's not a normal year. He had to get going a little bit. Back-to-back 300-yard games in his past two games against decent competition, I believe, Last week was against Texas Tech, if I'm not mistaken. They lost um, to Texas Tech. Yeah, no, I'm saying he had a 300-yard game. I'm not saying they won. Um, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying he had a 300-yard game and one before that. So I think he's starting to finally get on a roll. I like West Virginia. They're at home, like you said, and there'll probably be fans in the stadium a little bit, you know, to play for their fans. I actually like West Virginia in the upset over Kansas State. Well, that's not enough that they're favorites. You're well, taking the favorite. I guess, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, based off the yeah, – no, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just teasing. In the quote-unquote – yeah, in the quote-unquote quote, quote, upset. upset. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I understand. I just – I don't know. I just don't trust that West Virginia defense. They're pro- – they're – for years, they've been prone to giving up the big play in so many yards. Uh, Kansas State, I know they're not the typical air raid, Big 12-style offense. They're more of a ground-and-pound type of team. But I just – I can't see it. Uh, this is their legit – they have to run the table to make the play – to have a – be in the discussion to make the playoff, especially after losing to Arkansas State in that crazy upset in week one. So – I don't think they're going to take anything for granted. I know Kansas State has a huge game upcoming next week, and they may be looking ahead, but I know if they want to make the playoff, they need to win out. So they will, they're going to handle business. I think Kansas State will win. Uh, I like that pick. What do you have, What do you have, Dylan? Oh, next one? Give me, okay, a, so yeah, give me a pick. At, yeah, I was looking at the number six, Oklahoma State, and Texas, I believe it's a three. Um, three and a half, yep. I have that on my lock too. So what do you yep, got here? Yep. Who are you taking? I have Oklahoma State against winning actually I think I would be comfortable with the spread as well I think Oklahoma State will win by double digits against Texas I know yeah they have a very very good running back Chubba Hubbard who led the nation I believe last year in rushing yards they have Spencer Sanders who I know has been injured and came back last week but he's the dual threat of him able to add to that offense and it makes it not one-dimensional I like that and their defense if you look I understand we said the big 12 is not known for its defense but their defense only giving up 12 points a game which if you take out the few teams who played their first game last week and look at teams who have played multiple games Oklahoma State ranks fourth in the nation among teams and points per game obviously there's a few teams above them like in the big 10 like Northwestern who only gave up three points but if you take them out I love the pick of Oklahoma State, and I'm going to make a bold prediction on your show. I think Oklahoma State will make the college football playoff. I think they really. Yes, I oh, think here we go. I like I it, Dylan. I like it. I like it. I think they will come out of the Big 12. They're ranked sixth. They're just outside right now. I know so a lot they're going to run the table. You're telling me Oklahoma I, State's running the table? Will. I think they had a great win against Iowa State last week in an exciting game. And Texas, let's be honest, they've been overrated for since the Charlie Strong. Well, they just and they this week. The number one overall commit, they, he, he decommitted from Texas this week. Yeah. Texas lost like three or four recruits this weekend, it's, four or five stars. It's a program that is still trying to come up on the rise. And I, I, like, the yeah, I like Oklahoma State by, actually by double digits over Texas. I, I, love, I love the pick. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I love the pick. I actually have Oklahoma State as well, minus three and a half over Texas. What impressed me most, in that Iowa State game last week, it was that that they had that they were coming off basically two or three weeks off because of having having to handle the pandemic on their squad as well as uh, the teams that they were supposed to be playing with were going through their COVID protocols and weren't able to get onto the field. So I think them coming out and showing out. I mean, it was a close victory against a very good Iowa State squad. Um, but yeah, I love the Oklahoma State pick. Also Wallace on the outside. Big play receiver, definitely top three wide – probably, I would say, a top five wide receiver in all, in all of college football, maybe even arguably top three, especially with uh, the injury to Jalen Waddle, um, unfortunate, the unfortunate injury to Jalen yeah. Waddle, excuse me. And then, um, yeah, no, I love that pick. I think the bull protection's a little large, <laughs> <laughs> large there, because especially after this week they have um, – they have Texas, then they have – their. They got Kansas State next week, 
and then they got Oklahoma. So this is this is their season right here. So yeah. I don't know if they'll be able to run the table these three weeks, but if they do, they do have a really good shot of making the playoff. So it's not not I like the bull prediction. I don't agree with it, but it's definitely a reasonable selection. That defense is elite. I'm not gonna lie, especially again in the Big Twelve. If you're able to play defense, you're gonna win football games because. At this point, it's just being able to stop. In the Big 12, it's if you stop them twice, you win. Yeah. You get two stops, you win the game. That's how bad the defense is. Yeah, if you get two stops, you win the football game. And I, was, it, I think, honestly, Iowa State was Oklahoma State's toughest game of the season. I know Oklahoma is ranked. And I know Kansas State is ranked. But what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State over the past two seasons and really taken that program and risen them, I think it was a very impressive win. Like you said, they've been dealing with the pandemic on their side and not knowing when they're going to play and coming back. Um, and they've been dealing with injuries to Spencer Sanders. I believe he was injured, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. And, yeah, and missed a few games. And he's finally back and has a game under his belt. I think they can't get too excited over that emotional win and have a letdown game against Texas. That's my only fear. But I think they'll be able to handle their business. The only flaw I see with Oklahoma State is Mike Gundy needs to learn how to wear a mask. But besides that, <laughs> I mean, they don't believe in they they don't yeah. know what they don't know what that is. They, they like no, their chin strap mask. Besides that, I really like Oklahoma State to contend for the college football playoff. No, that that's that's a great that's a great pick for this week. It's, again, that's hey, both of us have that as a lock. So you know what that it lock lock that one in lock lock it in. Especially Todd Herman. He's on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. His the boosters already got are on the phone, especially after already losing to TCU. Boosters are on the phone calling, "Hey, I want him gone." So, you might see the end of Todd Herman this year if the Texas can't pull it together. So, huge game for them. But I also agree, Oklahoma State minus three and a half, great selection. And then I'm going to my last pick. This is actually a little bit okay. far out there. Yeah, I'm going actually with um, San Diego State minus seven and a half over Utah State. Uh, it is at Utah State. It's a primetime game at night, uh, 6.30 kickoff, uh, Pacific time, 9.30 east. Um, huge component here is the dominance of San Diego State's been in the in the Mountain West, especially other than outside of Boise State. They are the, the second best team there. It's not even without a question. Very dominant in week one last week for, the, for their first game, excuse me, uh, winning 34-6 over UNLV. Utah State struggled last week getting – beaten handily by Boise State. I feel like that's a very unfortunate situation that they get the best two teams in the Mountain West back-to-back weeks, and I think that's going to hurt them. So I like San Diego State here, minus seven and a half. I know Utah State has that Utah transfer, uh, Shelly at quarterback. I just don't think the pandemic has allowed him time to fit into the whole system. I think he's still – that team is – I think that Utah State's a year away. Uh, in my opinion, so San Diego State minus seven and a half. That is my final lock. I think they'll win easily by 14 to 17 points uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, it's. I actually would agree with that one. It's difficult to face the best two teams in the conference right off the bat. And I think if you have a dejected loss like that, sometimes it's hard to get back up. Your team has to feel like either goes one of two directions. You either go the direction where you the revenge comes and you are able to get back up and you're able to start playing well, or you go to the direction where you're completely deflated. And I think looking up against San Diego State after a tough loss is difficult. Uh, my final pick is I'm going to the SEC, and I think I was debating this one. Um, I'm looking at the Arkansas-Texas A&M game, and it's a 13-and-a-half point spread. Texas A&M is the favorite. I like Arkansas to cover the spread, and I think they are – a snap or really a referee call away I don't like to blame referees but they are a referee call away from being three and one what Sam Pittman has done to turn around that program they lost 20 consecutive SEC games and what he's done this season to turn around the program has been impressive they sit at two and two they have Felipe Franks the transfer from Florida remember a few seasons ago he led Florida to the a Peach Bowl win over Michigan a dominant win so he has big game experience you have Traylon Burks and Devon Warren Davion, I want to say, on the outside, a dual threat at receivers that they can really move the ball down the field. And like I said, they almost – they should have won that Auburn game and been sitting at 3-1. and one. I actually – I don't know. I, I like them definitely to cover the spread, and I understand it's at Kyle Field. I might actually – I'm debating picking them to beat Texas a t- 
I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big reach. I I mean, I, I do think Arkansas is very good. Mm -hmm. I think if it was, um, in my opinion, I think Texas A&M will cover because I feel like they, they've got nothing. They have to now, they have to be dominant in the eyes of the playoff for the rest, especially with their next upcoming games. They have Arkansas, they've got South Carolina, they got Tennessee, they got Old Miss. And then they don't have – until they play LSU over the Thanksgiving weekend, then they have Auburn. So they really have – until their last two weeks of the season, they have to be dominant and hope that uh, they can be very good in the eye test uh, in order for them to get a very good uh, bull, bull, uh, bull berth if they want that one of those New Year's Six games. So I think uh, – I do like – I do love how what Sam Pittman is doing at Arkansas. He has – resonated with that team and he has turned them around very rapidly. So I would not be, I would not be surprised if they cover this week. So I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take you there, but I think Texas A&M knows they have to be dominant if they want to have any outside shot of call it potential college football playoff discussion. Cause they have to win out after looking, being blown out by Bama. So they need to be, they need to be dominant the rest of the way. So I, I, I would, I don't I, – I like the pick. I, w- I would probably defer from it because I just think it's a little bit of a flip of a coin that 13-and-a-half is a – if it's four, if it was 14-and-a-half, if it was that full point, I'm all about it because two scores, I think, is the number here, 14. Uh-huh. So I think it's going to be very tight. But definitely an opportunity for Arkansas to, to show that they're actually legit. You need so. to back with experience, in my opinion. And if you have a court, especially if you're going into a difficult road game, obviously it'll be a lot more comfortable if Texas A&M comes to you. But you're going to Texas A&M, and Kyle Field is one of the toughest places to play. I think the experienced quarterback will help them on the or moving forward. And I think they'll cover. I think they'll at least cover the spread. I'm not as confident with the pick that they'll actually go in and take the game from Texas A&M. But I think the spread will be covered with Arkansas. I think they can keep it a one-score game. Their games have been close. Even, like I said, their loss to Auburn was very close. It came down to a controversial call. It came down to a field goal at the very end of the game if it was a fumble versus uh, incompletion. So I think they're looking good, and they're looking on the up to try to get that win to say, okay, we're actually a legitimate contender moving forward in the SEC. All right. That's <laughs> I, un- I understand. I understand. So yeah. not that bad. So those are our, those were our locks for college football. Again, I went two and one last week. We'll see how Dylan does. If he beats me, I'm going to have to talk about that on Tuesday and I'm not going to be very happy about it, but um, <laughs> but still, so um, we're going to transition now to the N- our NFL uh, uh, segment here of our NFL picks. So for me, I've got the LA Rams as my first lock, minus three and a half over the Miami Dolphins. It's Tua, Tua's first start, and I feel like this is the worst case scenario yeah. for him to get his first start. I really thought, um, especially with Miami being three and three and playing very competitive football at the moment. Mm-hmm. And if they won, if, if they win this week and Buffalo loses, they're in the loss column tied for that and tied and lost in the loss column in the division. So I felt like this may be an early push for them to put two in. I thought they'd wait a couple more weeks, especially until they had those relatively less competitive games with the chargers. They got the Bengals, they had the jets in there in the three or four game stretch. So I thought we would see him then in a couple more weeks. Uh, I understand why they made the change. It is the bye week. It gives them an extra week to prepare, but you're going against Aaron Donald and the, and the boys. Actually, not even the boys. You're going against the men, grown men. This is – this is. if I was a Miami fan, I'd be extremely nervous, and you're praying that he comes out, that he's healthy That this after this game. I mean, that injury bug will probably be in everyone's minds this week, especially going against that L.A. Rams front. And they looked extremely good on Monday night against a very good Chicago uh, run game. So I think this is a uh, crucial point. I like LA Rams here, minus three and a half. Goff will play well. I know it's that West Coast to East Coast morning game, but the Rams have already done, the Rams have already made this trip three times this year, and they've been they should have won all three games. The only one that they lost was that 
controversial PI call in the, against Buffalo. So I think Rams will handle business minus three and a half, lock it in. I, I didn't pick this game, but if I had to pick, I would agree with you. I think throwing Tua against the Rams defense and Aaron Donald is a lot. And I understand the bye week, but you also have to think on Miami's side, the culture of the team now with Brian Flores making that change. Are they all for Tua starting, or do they want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick continue to start? Is the locker room split? I haven't seen any reports on it. I'm just asking. Is the locker room split in that decision? Are they all behind starting Tua? I think – I understand the bye week and the preparation about it, but honestly, I think you either should have done it in the beginning of the season, started him right away, or like you said, maybe waited a little bit down the stretch of the season. I think now is kind of a questionable time. It's kind of in the middle. You're in the middle – you're right with Ryan Fitzpatrick for the first six games. You, Fitz magic was happening. Yeah, you've made your three. You've made, like you said, you're a win and a Buffalo loss away to New England, which obviously, honestly could happen. You're a Buffalo loss away from being this tie in the loss column and you're going to change your starter. I, I get the move after a bye week. And I think he has to make the move, but it's definitely where you're sitting. Your team might be like, oh, we're right there. Uh, my first pick, uh, you know how to pick this game, is the Ravens and the Steelers really could be considered yeah, the game of the week. Baltimore was a I couldn't touch that game. I couldn't do it because I, I had no idea who I was going to pick. That's, I, that, I stayed away from that game. I'm going with Baltimore. And I think, okay. I think they're home, which is going to help them. Lamar Jackson, if we can face it, Lamar Jackson has just been all right this year. He hasn't been like Lamar Jackson MVP of last season. The only question with Lamar Jackson is can he win the big game? We've seen his last two playoff appearances when he came in against um, the Chargers in loss and then the Titans last season when they had a terrific regular season. And then Lamar Jackson in the divisional game didn't play well until the very end. They lost to Tennessee, who went on, obviously, to the next round. And they're, besides the Chiefs, he, in the regular season, he's been good. Um, his only other loss, I believe, if you look outside the Chiefs, is one week to Cleveland. But he has to win the big game, and he has to play well. They need – he has only 12 total touchdowns this season, which isn't terrific for him. I'm not sure where he was at this point last season in his MVP season. But if you look at it, it's a defensive matchup. If you look on the defensive side of the ball, Baltimore is first in the league in defensive points per game. The Steelers are first in yards per game defensively, and they have the most sacks in the NFL. They're both up there in defensive categories. It's like an old – like, it's like the old rivalry once again. This is and old I school think, football. Yeah, it's the Mash first. Mouth. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going – I'm looking at you, and I'm attacking you, and you're going to be attacking me, and whoever wins the last yeah. scrimmage is going to win the freaking game. It's the first meeting between Lamar Jackson and Big Ben Roethlisberger, which will be interesting because Big Ben's either been hurt or I believe Lamar Jackson, they didn't he, well, Yeah, he wasn't they, in the they, lineup yet. At yeah, they point. punched a bye, so they didn't play him um, one week. So I think, it's, I think it's a game that Baltimore has to win. It's difficult if Pittsburgh goes to 7-0 and you sit two games behind them in the division looking forward. And Pittsburgh is on a roll. Remember, Pittsburgh, they just started the season. You're like, all of a sudden, they're 3-0, and they're 4-0. and And I even said on in the front row, I was like, I'm not that impressed with them yet. Just because well, yeah, they, they hadn't, they hadn't beaten really anybody until, until last week. week. Last week, they go and beat Tennessee, who is an AFC contender. So I think – it's a big game for Lamar Jackson to put on his resume that he can win the big game. I think Baltimore still should look for a number one option and a wide receiver. I think they've made a few moves. Brian ain't going to do it. Yeah, I think they should still look that way for a wide receiver to give Lamar Jackson because I believe their yards per game were down for last season. Their offense isn't as explosive as last season in his MVP year. People kind of load the box now and like, okay, you're going to throw against me because we know you have a dynamic running offense. I think – they're going to have to make a bit of adjustments moving forward passing-wise. But I, I think he, I'm just hoping as a Ravens fan that he can win the big game. And I'm going to pick the Ravens to beat the Steelers. You're taking week. the Ravens to win or are you just taking the Ravens? The I'll take spreads the four. The sp- yeah, spreads I'll, four. So you think they'll win by seven about, six or seven? I, I think so. I know most matchups between them in the old days came down to a field goal or came down to a touchdown. Yeah. I, think they'll, I think they'll cover the spread. I think it'll be – I'm – I think, yeah, they'll cover the spread. <laughs> yeah. If I'm Baltimore, Atlanta, what do you want for Julio? What do you want? I'll give <laughs> you whatever you want. He... Whatever you want. Seriously. My... What, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, my brother. I will, I will give you everything. Yeah, but I, I believe Atlanta came out and said that 
Julio Jones doesn't want to be traded. Matt Ryan doesn't want to be traded. They don't I mean, I know they've said that, but come on. I think no, I agree with you. I think you have to. You got to explore it. Yeah, I think. I mean, the issue the issue with Atlanta trading either of them is how much dead money they're going to have next year. Yeah, true. So that's the only incentive to keep them. And they last last night they looked great. So both of them they they looked great last night. But um, yeah. anyway, um, so I'm going to transition now to my second lock. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. I have the Raiders plus two and a half versus the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I actually have the rate. I would take the Raiders outright here. Take the Raiders outright to win. Uh, I think the Raiders are a legit potential con- wild card contender this year. Their offense is that good. I think their defense is the only issue at this moment, especially on the back end. But I mean, I think this is what's gonna. This is Cleve. This is Baker Mayfield's game. Yeah. <laughs> show up, bro. Seriously, show <laughs> up. You, you are five and twelve. Five and twelve against teams that are five hundred or better. Five hundred or better. Five and twelve, and you stink up the joint in those games. Stink it up. Absolute garbage. <laughs> garbage in these games. So I mean. Definitely needs to – he needs to play well. It's all going to come down to them. I think missing – this will be the game where – this is going to be a game where they're going to miss Odell Beckham. Yeah. I they think. need to be able to get creative. They're going to bracket Jarvis Landry. And everyone's saying that um, – who, who's their backup? That one wide receiver. They're, they're all saying, oh, very good. They're better. They're better than OBJ. Didn't you see this Bengals game? Yeah. The Bengals stink. Yeah. They stink. I'm telling you, if he doesn't make that throw in the end zone, we're talking about how great Joe Burrow was, not how good Baker was. I, I actually picked this game, and I agree with you. I would pick the Raiders outright, despite them being a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Love it. Yeah. Derek Carr, 17 touchdowns to just two interceptions. He looks like the old Derek Carr when he led them to the playoffs before he got injured. I think they have a good running game with Jacobs in the backfield. And like you said, with Baker Mayfield, he has to – I know I've been bragging him all year and I feel bad, but he has to step up in these games. He has to step up. And I, I think Cleveland is an overrated 5-2. and two. They beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. They don't beat the teams that people want them Bengals to step twice. Yeah, to the next level. They got destroyed against the two teams they played in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And I'm not even talking when they were close in those games. They got destroyed to both of them. You're two contenders in the division that you're looking – to contend with and maybe win the division, you get destroyed to your top two teams in the division. He has to step up or Cleveland's going to have to make, I like the higher Stefanski, but Cleveland's going to have to make some change. And there's Colin Kaepernick out there, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, I keep saying that on in the front row. I just think at one point you're going to think, okay, Baker, I understand you're five and two, but if you can't beat any of the good teams, we're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Like he said, a win over Cincinnati last week with a touchdown. And it was a good throw. He did make a good throw in the game. So you have to give him, that credit, but can he play against competition that is at the top tier of the NFL? And I think OBJ is going to be a big loss. I know he's, his targets go up and down each week, but that's going to be a huge loss for Cleveland. Like, it's going to be – you have a I've, – I've been saying this, Odell Beckham could be the most talented receiver in the NFL. Statistics don't back it up, obviously – but I think he is the most talented receiver in the NFL. And if I were OBJ, I would be looking for a trade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. get out of so Stephen bad. A. Smith said, get <laughs> my man out. Yes, no, this this injury, it. it's going to screw him over now. He's, he's on a contract year next year. He probably won't be able to play. And then they said, basically, you're not really – you're back to your old self till two years after the injury. Yeah. So, I mean, he's going to not get the money he wants. Jarvis Landry should be doing the same thing. Get out. Isn't he questionable this week? Isn't Jarvis Landry injured? He is. He is questionable. He'll play, though. He's got to play. Well, he'll play, but I'm saying there's still an injury factor there. Yeah, still still a little banged up. I mean, both of them, get out. Get out of Cleveland. I I think uh, they said – I was reading something. They said, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, ballers. Mm -hmm. When you look at Baker Mayfield – they know he's not a baller. Yeah. They know he can't get the job done. Uh-huh. And that'll be showcased this week. Max Kellerman. I think I the Raiders will show out. Yeah, Max yeah. Kellerman is the, ball, the baller comparison. Yeah. That, yeah, so he, I think yeah. yeah, paramount. 
if Paramount, you look at your and you if you look at your quarterback and you just know he ain't it and you know he's not going to step up in big games, it's difficult to get your team motivated to play. And Baker Mayfield's going to have to play well this week to make his team believe, okay, Baker, you're starting to become a baller. You're starting to play against top competition. Yeah, and Chubb's still, Chubb's still out. So I'm going to be all relying on Kareem Hunt. Raiders will shut down the run game. It'll all be based off whether Baker can make the throws. It's that plain and simple. The Raiders will score points. Cleveland's defense has not been good. So, again, so we both like the Raiders there. Um, so my last pick, I have the Green Bay Packers minus six and a half over the Minnesota Vikings. Dylan, Dylan's giving me a little bit. Of, oh, I, I want to know which way you're going here. <laughs> huh? I want to know which way you're going. Oh, I'm going Green Bay six and a half all day long. <laughs> Minnesota stinks. Yeah. Minnesota's bad. Kirk Cousins has finally showed them why, why you don't pay a quarterback straight guaranteed money. Uh, he has been atrocious. Um, and then on that point, they've already traded. They traded. Was it in Ngak- It was on the Vikings, right? Yeah. Yannick? Yeah. They traded Yannick this past week or last week. Excuse me. They're they're cleaning house. They know they know they're not good. And it's all I down to Kirk Cousins. If they can't stop the run, he can't make the throws. He's a play action quarterback. He's all relying on the play action. And that bad man, that is Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, is going to show out like he did in week one. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. about that comparison. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers. I agree with that pick. Aaron Rodgers is, if you watch my shows, I'm always harping on Aaron Rodgers, telling people how good he is. I think he's the most talented quarterback in the past 20 years. I think I know Tom Brady has the ring, so everyone's going to look that direction. I think we have Minnesota's clean house. And if you look at Minnesota, I never agree with the move to sign Cousins just because you had Case Keenum there who led you to the NFC Championship game. Kirk Cousins hasn't gotten you that far. I know he had a good game in New Orleans last playoffs, but that was it. Kyle Rudolph like, pushed off. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with the Green Bay pick. I think it's a blowout in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers Wait, is, I got I got Green Bay by 14. Yeah, my last pick, it's, I was looking at Seattle and San Francisco. Oh, that's a, that's Seattle's a three-point favorite. And San Francisco right now 3-0 on the road. Seattle is 3-0 at home in their games this season. I take Seattle with the spread. I think Russell Wilson's going to have his team motivated after a difficult and emotional loss last week to Arizona, the up and down, thinking you have it, thinking you don't have it. He threw that interception in overtime. It was a very exciting game, one of the best games of the year that Arizona ended up winning. But I think now that will kick Seattle into high gear. Russell, Russell Wilson has been an MVP candidate so far and really the front runner for MVP this season. And if you look, I think he'll finally, we got to go now. All of a sudden, with that loss, Arizona sitting on your heels. The 49ers are, you know, trying to close the gap as well. And obviously a win against the opponent would, it's kind of a two-game swing in a way where you, you know, get one in the loss column for them and you step up in the win column. I think Russ Wilson realizes it, and Tyler Lockett's been a beast. He's been so good this year. Seattle, I believe, leads the league in reception touchdowns as a team. And I think the only question is, can Russell Wilson win with this defense that isn't like the Legion of Boom defense we saw when he when they were winning, yeah, winning Super Bowls. But I think I like Seattle this week over San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I don't mind. I, I don't mind that pick. I mm-hmm. think it's probably the best smart decision, especially after Seattle coming off of that loss. Russell Wilson was did not play his best game. I think he will definitely try and show out this this week uh, this weekend. I think he will he'll have a huge game, uh, especially with Lockett and Metcalf on the outside. Those two are perfect complements. You got one speedster, and then you just got one freak of nature. Yeah, uh, both on the outside, and then San Francisco. I think this is probably a bigger game for San Francisco because they're three and three. They're they're chasing right now, especially with. All three of uh, Arizona, L.A., and Seattle all ahead of them in the conference – or the division, excuse me. But still, uh, I, I, would, I would probably agree with you that the Seattle pick's probably the way to go. I only, I only stay away from that game because usually those games are one-point games yeah. every, every time they play. It don't matter how good each team is. And I'm, I'm not surprised about how Arizona and Seattle, that game went. Like, in the past three years, they've had games where the kickers, they go to overtime, like, at least once a year, and they're, the kickers are always screwing it up somehow until 
the last second when there's one hero play and then et cetera. But still. I mean, I used to own kicker. <laughs> so that's how, I mean, I ended up winning, but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it was a very exciting watch. I showed how good Kyler Murray is as well and how, yeah, he's kind of elevated that Arizona. They finally have a franchise quarterback now that they can believe in and they're right there in the playoff and division race. So it's going to be exciting to watch down the stretch. Absolutely. So again, those are uh, our picks for this week. Uh, for me, I have Kansas State plus four, Oklahoma State minus three and a half, San Diego State minus seven and a half for college football. For the NFL, I have LA Rams minus three and a half, Raiders plus two and a half, Packers minus six and a half. Go book them. And then Dylan, what are your picks? Just go over Just go over your picks again. Yeah, sure. So I have Oklahoma State. I believe the spread is three and a half, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't yeah. write the I have Oklahoma State over Texas. I have West Virginia over Kansas State in an upset. I also have Arkansas to cover this 13-and-a-half point spread against Texas A&M and a possible win. Also, if you're booking something else, I would book Minnesota over Maryland. It's like a 20-point spread. Uh, for the NFL. Hey, that's tonight. Minnesota-Maryland. Yeah, tonight. He's giving yeah. you a Friday night pick. Uh, yeah, I have, hey, I cover East Carolina. That spread 17-and-a-half. They play tonight as well. Take Tulsa. <laughs> I have Baltimore over Pittsburgh. That's a four-point spread. I have the Raiders with you over Cleveland. And then the three-point spread, I have Seattle over San Francisco. And I, this is weird, but I have a feeling the Bengals could hang with the Titans. <laughs> Stop, I, Stop it. I have – they're coming up an emotional – They just lost to Pittsburgh. Yeah, but they're, they're going to come out pissed. Loss. I, sometimes that turns around your season in a negative way. I love Ryan Tannehill. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying a dark horse thing to think about. That spread six. I got ba- – I got – Titans are, Titans are going to win by 13. Okay. I'm, I, I don't by know. 13. I'm just, just something I'm just to kidding. think about. I'm just kidding. But there you go. Those are uh, both of our picks. We disagreed. <laughs> on the West Virginia, Kansas State one. So you can either go with me or with Dylan. <laughs> I would say me, but. <laughs> and then again, we gave you a couple uh, Friday night picks as well. He said, take Minnesota. Uh, what was it, 19? I think it's 19 or something. Like that. that was last night, though. I'm not sure what it is. It was 19 or 19 and a half. Take Minnesota yeah. <laughs> over Maryland. And then tonight, it's Tulsa minus 17 and a half over East Carolina. I covered the Pirates of East Carolina take the Golden Hurricane. They're legit. Their only loss is to the undefeated Oklahoma State Cowboys, and they only lost to them by six points. So that's what you have there. So take, gave you some two extra picks if you want a, a little Friday night selections before uh, before yeah. all the fun this weekend. I want to thank you, Dylan, for taking the time out of your day on your Friday. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, you have any final thoughts, final words that you want to give out? Uh, let's think. Um, well, it's going to be an exciting weekend of football. And go follow us at In the Front Row, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Go subscribe. Go, give it, go, go subscribe. Subscribe to my yeah. uh, my new YouTube channel, Final Whistle. This has always been an addition to Final Whistle. Go to In the Front Row where you'll be able to see videos about Dylan and his co-hosts and entourage of covering L.A. sports. His Dodgers and Lakers have just won, so they got big celebrations going on down in Los Angeles. (laughs) Um, But, again, thank you for coming on. This has been another edition of Final Whistle. I will see you all on Tuesday where we're going to recap the NFL and and this college football slate, and I'm going to have another potential guest host. So tune in on Tuesday. Thank you. Have a good day, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you all on Tuesday. Good night.